Welcome to an inspiring message from Awaken City Church. For more information about us, visit awakencity.com.au. Actually, that's a pretty good introduction to my title message this morning, which is Pray Like This. I was saying to some people earlier, what if this entire season that we've been through, uh, call it 12 months, call it two years, what if during that time God had one purpose in mind and that purpose was to change the way you pray. Because a lot of people, I, I, let me call them different folk. Yeah, different folk. Or, or, or you could say religious folk. Religious folk approach prayer like a vending machine. Anyone ever gone to a vending machine, punched in the numbers, swiped the card and not got what you wanted? Anyone ever done that? How many people have been back to that same machine and you got caught twice and you're like, I am never going back again. Uh, stare at your neighbour if you have kicked the vending machine. You're all scared. You see, a lot of people approach prayer like a vending machine. Punch in my numbers, Psalm 37 verse 5. I delight myself in the Lord. He shall give me the desires of my heart. Swipe in Jesus' name. Boom. Kind of does that half turn and just hangs on the edge there. Doesn't come out. When, when religious folk approach prayer like that and don't get results, eventually they just walk away. It's human nature to do that. And so today as we come into the subject matter on pray like this, I want you just to open up your heart because I'm going to land our series on Creative for Purpose and just give you some thoughts about praying into the future as we come into the season of Christmas and festivities that we don't forget what we've learned along the way. We've had some incredible input from Pastor Carolyn and Chris and Kama and others. And I think this one will just land it and be able to help us move forward. Before I do that, Vision Builders update. I nearly forgot after 15 reminders from my team. Here's the Vision Builders update for uh, this month. How good is that? We had $93,000 committed, $68,561 fulfilled. Go on, give the Lord a hand for that. That's incredible. Which then means, uh, as you know, we've been telling you that the first 40 covered what we needed for budgets and the next we were going to put into savings so that we could launch our C3 Kids dedicated ablution block. That tells us there's around about $28,000 in savings for that ablution block. When that savings amount hits $40,000, we can then launch the project because I think that's kind of 70%, 80% of the budget. So we're looking forward to that. And uh, we just want to thank you for partnering with us in the house of God doing what we're doing. Amen. Incredible. Looking forward to having that dedicated block for our children. Can we get started? Yeah. Let me give you some reminders of our uh, foundation scripture for this series. It comes from Romans chapter 8. I want to read verse 28 to you. This next part is for me. Father, help me in these next few moments to speak your word in a way that the hearers will be able to take it, apply faith to it and see great fruit come from it. God, I pray that this moment in church would not just be another box ticked, I did my duty. But God, this would be an encounter with you for every single person. God, only you can help me speak one message, but then it become hundreds of messages for every individual person in the room. So we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Romans 8, 28. And we know that God causes everything, everything to work together for the good of those who love God 
and are called according to His purpose for them. God can cause everything to work together for good. Everything. All the mud, all the weedies, all the good stuff, all the bad stuff, the highs and the lows. He can cause it all to work together for good for those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. Don't miss the His purpose for them. The calling and the purpose connected. Now come with me to Colossians chapter 2 and verse 6. We're going to read it from the Passion Translation. I'm going to jump straight in if that's okay. In the same way you receive Jesus, our Lord and Messiah, by faith, continue your journey of faith, progressing further into your union with Him. Your spiritual roots go deeply into His life as you are continually infused with strength, encouraged in every way. For you are established in the faith you have absorbed and enriched by your devotion to Him. Just check this out, just in this portion of Scripture. How powerful is this? That your journey of faith, faith is a journey, not a destination. You may have thought that you arrived, but actually we never arrive. I'm going to arrive when I get and I show up in a place like this. This is a little bit more, but just for a moment. But I'll arrive when I show up in this box. (laughs) There'll be flowers on, don't have flowers on top, please. I don't know, I'll tell you later what you should put, but in the box with people crying and mourning over the fact that I've passed on, I will have arrived then at the end, because by then I'll be watching from above going, yee-haw, I made it. That was a yee-haw for tonight's party. But here it says that you start in faith, you journey in faith, you progress in faith, and you are established in faith. Verse 8 says, Beware that no one distracts you or intimidates you in their attempt to lead you away from Christ's fullness by pretending to be full of wisdom when they're filled with endless arguments of human logic. For they operate with humanistic and clouded judgments based on the mindset of this world system and not the anointed truths of the anointed one. Oh my goodness, aren't we living in such times where you can be distracted and intimidated? Aren't we living in such times where we are being flooded with human logic and the mindsets of the system of this world? And here, the writer to the Colossians, Paul says, you know what, guys? I don't want you just to come into salvation. You need to be established in salvation and you need to remain in that salvation journey. And if you can't deal with the distractions and you can't deal with the intimidation and you can't deal with the human logic, it could get you off course. Three greatest miracles of Christ. Number one, salvation. Coming into salvation, it's when the blindness is removed from our spiritual eyes. You didn't make it happen and and religion didn't make it happen. The church didn't, Christ made it happen on the cross. And what an incredible thing it is to come into the miracle of salvation. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? You were blind, but now you can see. 
The second miracle, greatest miracle of Christ personally for you and for me is that miracle of establishment that we don't just get saved, but God takes us by grace and gets us established in the faith. That you get a firm foundation that storms go on, but you go through. But it's not finished there, but remaining in faith, remaining in Christ, remaining in church, remaining in relationship, remaining in the calling. And so just to give every single one of us a handle today for this theme that we've had created for purpose, that you and I were created for purpose. There's not one person in the room today that has not been given a God glorifying kingdom purpose that goes beyond being a good father, a good husband, a good parent, a good whatever. It goes beyond that. That's kind of normal, don't you think? Just for a moment, think about it, that if you weren't a follower of Christ, if you didn't have faith and you're a decent human being, surely you'd still wanna be a good father, a good mother, a good good person, right? Let's go beyond that. Let's not get so kind of simple in our faith. Let's realise that God has put you on the planet for a specific purpose and He shaped you and gifted you and has caused you to come to this position in time to realise that this purpose is part of the big picture. I might be the so-called main guy speaking to you today, but I'm just one little voice in a bunch of voices, thousands of voices that God wants to use along your journey of faith. And so I think sometimes, I think sometimes when it comes to our purpose and discovering it, discovering our calling, we get way too romantic about how it's going to happen. We, we get way too sentimental about how it's going to happen. When I survey the Bible, I find there's at least five types of calling in the Bible. It's not an exhausting study this morning, but I want to call these callings the, the five most common ways that God calls us throughout Scripture. Can I go through with them? with you. you? Probably don't get a choice because I've got the microphone, huh? For those of you online, you could pause, you could fast forward, but I suggest you hang around for a while. This might help you. Here's the first one. There's this thing called the situational calling. The situational calling. Think about Ruth with Naomi. She was in a situation and she responded and she got to that place where she says, she says, you know, where you go, I go. Where you die, I die. Your God will be my God. And she was just in a situation, but in that situation, She responded to the call of God. Think about Esther risking her queenship when challenged by Mordecai. She was in a situation and in that situation, she discovered the call of God. I don't know who I'm talking to today, but I know you've got a situation going on and you could miss the mark that God is calling you in that situation to fulfil His purpose. Esther chapter 4 and verse 14 says, If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place, but you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps, don't you like that? Here's Esther about to walk into her calling about to walk into that moment of time where her purpose on the planet can be fulfilled. And here the writer says, you know what? Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for such a time as this. You know what? Some of our callings just come out of a situation. 
And it is up to us to remain in this place of prayer where we can be aware to respond in that situation. Whatever situation you find yourself in, God's calling can call you. The second type of calling calling is the disruptive calling. Sounds so motivating, don't you think? A disruptive calling. Think about Virgin Mary engaged to be married to her lover and then whammo. Uh-oh, pregnant. A little bit more than whammo. Don't encourage me. I could go naughty from here really easy. Pregnant. Teenager, engaged, disruptive calling. Think about David, the youngest of all of his brothers, the most unlikely but chosen to be king. In Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18, we read, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage could take place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Divine disruptions can change the trajectory of your life. You can get a calling in the midst of a disruption. Don't, don't misunderstand what's going on in our world today. Don't read what's going on in our world today as something else. You've got to know that in a situation or in a disruption, your calling can come to the forefront of the historical plan of God for this hour and this time. Who knows? You may have been called for such a time as this, but Claude, I got this situation. That's good news. In that situation, the call of God could come out. But Claude, I've been disrupted by this thing that's going on. But you know what? In the midst of that disruption, God can bring your calling and your purpose right to the forefront. Because when He calls you, it's never convenient. I wish it was. The third kind of calling, this one's so powerful and encouraging, it's called the painful calling. Think about Joseph in Genesis. Joseph forgave his brothers long before he became Prime Minister. You can read the end of the story and just go, woohoo. But read, read the beginning of the story when he's sold into slavery, then into the palace and into the prison before he gets to Parliament. Long before he gets to Parliament, we know that Joseph dealt with the pain of betrayal. Come on, help me somebody. In Genesis 45 verse 4, it says, God said again, uh, he, He said again, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into slavery in Egypt. But don't be upset and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. Now, wait a minute. That's such an easy story to read, but I would have, I, I, I would have guessed, I would have still been ticked off. Stop agreeing with me, those that you know. I think I still would have been ticked off. I, I, I still would have been a little on the whole deal. But here's Joseph say, he says, he, not only does he not say, I'm not angry with you. He says to his brothers, don't be angry with yourselves. In the midst of his pain, Joseph was called and he found his calling in the pain. 
There is purpose in your pain. If you're going through a painful situation right now, I'm here to tell you this morning, there is purpose in your pain. T.L. Osborne with his wife, they lost their son. They were on the mission fields. They came home, they lost their son. Their son died tragically. They're in the midst of their mourning, not knowing where to go or what to do. And one day, Tia's wife wakes up. I can't remember her name right now. It's gone from my brain. And he wakes, she wakes up and goes to her husband after this long period of mourning and not what, knowing what to do next. And she goes to her husband and she says to Tia, Tia, God is calling us to Africa to heal the hurts of others. And T.L. says, how can that be so? And she said, because if we go and heal the hurts of others, God will heal our hurts. And they spend the rest of their productive, fruitful lives in Africa, bringing salvation to thousands upon thousands of people because in the midst of their pain, they found their calling. I've got to tell you this story about Ken, Karen and Ethan. Ken, I believe Ken's popular in the marketplace today and so is Karen. Karen's popular for all the wrong reasons, apparently. I chose Ethan because for some reason, every time I've met an Ethan, I've liked them. They've been a good guy. I don't know if you've had that. And then because of that, I was thinking about this morning, I I went to the most powerful uh, resource on the planet that anyone can go to when you don't know something. I went to Google. And I typed in to Google Ethan and what's the meaning? And I discovered that the the name Ethan literally means strong, solid, safe and firm. I thought, wow, that's why I like every Ethan I've met. But here's a story about Karen, Ken and Ethan. I think we've got to put just a little illustration up on the board that was done. And uh, one of our young people did that for me this morning. And so... I think you can see it all, but you can see it's a tree with three people around it, right? And so what happens in this story is Karen's out just enjoying the sunshine one day and next thing she hears a gun fire, looks up into a tree and as she looks up into a tree, the bird there on the, you can see the bird there, can't you? Everyone can see the bird. The bird takes the bullet and falls to the ground. And she's like devastated. And she sees Ken on the other side of the tree and she goes and gets dirty with Ken and says, how could you dare do that? Shoot that bird out of the tree. And he goes, what are you talking about? Because Ken's gone down to the tree with a gun and he's trying to get apple out the tree. Ken says, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't see no bird. I was here trying to shoot the apple out of the tree. You weren't shooting the apple out of the tree. You were shooting birds and there it is, dead on the ground. And they had this big argument. And it is going on. And they cannot see eye to eye because Karen says, no, you're a liar. You're wicked. You blew that bird out of the tree. But then Ethan, observing this whole thing going on, walks over to Ken and to Karen and says, hey, what's going on? And Karen tells Ethan what was going on. And Ken says, no, it wasn't like that. And they start arguing. And say, oh, hang on, hang on. So I, I was here, I've seen the whole thing. I've I seen Ken trying to get the apple out the tree, but he missed and shot the bird. And it goes quiet. And I've got to ask you the question in the middle of all this, whose perspective was right? Right. 
Was it Karen's? Was it Ken's? Or was it Ethan's? Here's the truth. All of their perspective was right. They each seen from their angle what they saw and their perspective was right. Karen seeing the bird fall from the tree after the shot fired. Her perspective was right. The guy on the other side of the tree shot the bird. But Ken's perspective was right because he went there to get the apple out of the tree. I don't know why you would use a gun to get an apple out of the tree, but just help me people. <laughs> but here's the interesting thing about this story. Whilst all their perspectives were right, only one perspective was able to bring reconciliation to all relationships. Before you run off and get too spiritual on me and make Ethan God, it's not always God. Sometimes it's just another person's view from the outside in that can help you reconcile. And in the world that we currently live in, I I think we need a lot of Ethans in our world. How about you? In the midst of pain, there Joseph found his calling and I do know that God wants to bring your calling out of whatever pain you may have gone through. The fourth kind of calling is missional, where God pulls you by something bigger than yourself and confirms it through various channels and brings you into a place where that mission is the calling that God has placed upon your life. I've discovered this. Every man needs a mission. When a man has a mission, you don't need to tell him to pray or lead his family. The mission reminds him every single day. And then finally, it's probably the kind of calling that we've all been sitting around waiting for and hoping for. It's the passion that's birthed out of calling. It's the calling that's birthed out of passion. It's the John the Baptist kind of passion here to prepare the way of the Lord. Passion doesn't just float your boat. It keeps you up at night. It wakes you in the morning. It may not make you wealthy. It may not make you popular, but it will glorify His Name. And I'm here to encourage you this morning. So we come into this moment where I wanna talk to you about Pray like this, that Jesus talked to us. It doesn't matter if your calling comes out of a situation, whether it comes out of a disruption or a painful circumstance. It doesn't matter whether your calling comes from a mission or it's flowing from a passion. You gotta know this, we cannot do it if we don't pray. I know that's what you're gonna hear from a pastor when you come to church, but here's the reality. I like what John Wesley said. He said, without God, man cannot. But without man, God will not. Without God, man cannot. But without man, God will not. There has to be a partnership between humanity and divinity. What happens on earth depends on me, depends on you. It was true for Jesus and it's true for me. It's true for you. I I, I often look at the life of Jesus and think, oh my goodness, He's the Son of God. He's the Messiah. But look how much time He spent praying. If He had to pray, then I have to pray. And not in a vending machine kind of style. Not, not in a lottery ticket kind of style. Let's just throw this in and see what happens. But we've got to pray with an understanding that we have a right to make a demand upon the King and the Kingdom for what needs to happen. We've got to understand that Jesus prayed all night but never attended an all night prayer meeting. He prayed alone. 
And when he came to teach us on prayer, he said, pray like this. It wasn't his ministry, it was his life source. Prayer is an earthly licence for a heavenly interference. Prayer is an earthly licence for heavenly interference. And when we pray, Your Kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, we are literally giving God access. And if I'll move beyond praying for the things that I think I need for myself and begin to pray, Your Kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, I think you're gonna revolutionise your prayer life. That it won't be about this thing that I tried it, swiped in Jesus' Name and it didn't work, but it will be an encounter with God showing up in the midst of your earthly experience with a heavenly interference. The Bible calls us to pray for His Kingdom to come, His will to be done. Prayer always involves Kingdom purpose. Here's the thing, prayer's not unique. Everybody prays. I've discovered over some time that everybody, the Muslims pray five times a day seven days a week. The Buddhists pray, spiritualists pray. I'm sorry to tell you, but witches pray. When I say the word prayer, there's a whole bunch of different perspectives that are ignited throughout the room. When you say it out there, there's a whole bunch of people that will say that they pray. In fact, a study recently showed that more than 80% of Australians pray in a week time, during a week. It's just who they pray to and what they think when they think prayer. But you know what? For you and I as followers of Christ, prayer is not an option. Prayer is our life source. Prayer is the thing that's gonna unlock the power that you need for the call that's been placed upon your life for the purpose that God wants you to bring to pass right now. Prayer is the very life source. And I don't know about you, but I don't spend, I rarely spend an hour in prayer but I'm in trouble if I go an hour without prayer. And I don't know what you think when you think about that because you've read that portion in the Scripture where Jesus said, could you not pray for an hour with me? Uh, Let me tell you, if Jesus was here, I don't think I'd find it difficult to pray for an hour. Just saying, side note. Because prayer is not about how long you pray. Prayer is not about how loud you pray or the kinds of words that you use. That's where many people make their mistake. But Jesus said when we pray, we should pray like this. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone else can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself shut the door behind you and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father who sees everything will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered by merely repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them for your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask Him. How good is that? He knows what you need. Come on, yeah, let's do better than that. Let's just pat a cake. Let's. He knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray like this. Could you help me this morning? Say pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may Your Name be kept holy. He says start there. 
Start with an acknowledging that you have a Father in heaven. Notice that it doesn't say my Father, but our Father. Acknowledge immediately that you belong to a community of faith. Acknowledge immediately that you're part of a family. Our Father in heaven. May your name be kept holy. And wouldn't that be a good thing just to pray right now at this time in our world that the name of Jesus Christ would be kept holy, that the name of God would be kept holy, that the laws of God would be kept holy, that marriage would be kept holy, that other things would be kept holy, that we could just pray that God and all that He represents would be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Do not let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Pray like this. Can I charge you as we land this theme to Matthew chapter 6 and these verses through 6 through to 12, 14. Can I charge you to keep them before you during this season? And pray like this. I'm all for public prayer meetings. We've got one here on Wednesday night. But listen, here's the truth about prayer meetings in church. They're always across all the world, in all churches, the least attended. And I don't think it's because of anything else other than the fact that we've been taught wrong somehow through religion and through kind of culture. Yeah, just let's just call it religion. That's for the people that have been called to pray. There's no such thing as a calling to prayer in Scripture. You can't find it. There's not. I'm sorry. Because He doesn't place a specific calling on one portion of people if it's for all of us to do. It's not a calling. But we've been taught that somehow. The benefit of coming together in a corporate place of prayer is obviously there's fellowship and there's encouragement and we get built up and I encourage you to be there on Wednesday. Absolutely. But if you walk into that meeting and you haven't had your private time of prayer, I'm going to tell you it's going to feel like cardboard. It's going to feel terrible. And you're going to look for specific words instead of engaging a conversation with your Heavenly Father. So by all means, be there Wednesday night, but what about Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening, Monday morning? And pray, may Your Name be kept holy. May Your Name be kept holy. That has put me in situations at times where I've heard people use the Name of Jesus in a different manner than I do. And I've got to admit, of late I've just become silent in those moments, but I'm going to go back to my old response. When I hear the Name of Jesus used in the wrong term, I'm just going to turn around and say, oh really? Do you love Jesus like me also? Start a conversation. Okay, that's a bit weird for some of you. You could just say, hey, 
that's the God I serve and sin as we live in a world where religious freedom has been given to all of us, could you just protect my freedom? I find that offensive. Just another approach you could take. Or maybe you don't have to say anything at all and just go away and you pray for that person to have a real encounter with Jesus. May your will be done on earth just to wake up every morning for the next week and pray, God, show me what your will is today that needs to be done. Can I remind you that without God, man cannot. Without man, God will not. He wants to use you. Maybe we could pray for what we need instead of what we want and see how that shifts everything. And Christians sometimes can be the most unforgiven, unforgiving people. Have you ever heard the saying that you've never been in a fight until you've been in a church fight? Let's that, let that proverb not be true of us. We have been forgiven and we are forgiving. Let's be that forgiving kind of people. And then the final part of that prayer, keep us from the tempter and temptation. That there alone is enough motivation for me to build my private time of prayer. Could you stand to your feet with me this morning? God, I pray that as we look at all the different ways you can call us through situations, disruptions, pain, mission, passion, God, I pray that we would continue to be growing in our faith with You by building that time of prayer. If our prayer closet is the time we get alone in the car every day, then let that be built strong. If it's taking time out and walking the beach, the park, the bush, wherever it is, if it's literally going into a room and closing a door and spending time with You, God, I pray for every single person here and online today that they would pray like You taught us to pray, Lord, our Father in Heaven. May Your Name be kept holy. May Your Kingdom come and Your will be done on earth as it is in Heaven. May we realise, God, that these are the keys that You gave us to the Kingdom so that we could experience prayer after prayer answered in Jesus' Name. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope it has blessed you. If you would like to find out more about Awaken City Church, visit awakencity.com.au.